Welcome to another place in time Where one day you'll be dead or you'll survive Hello everybody and welcome to Dead or Survive. I am your host, Rob Riches. I'm your other host, Cheryl Riches. Why do you copy everything I do? <laughs> everything. It gives me joy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> do you guys know that if I say something to her like you're a dork, she goes, No, you're a dork. That's her comeback. That's her that's her witty comeback that she comes all up lies. With. It is not all lies. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you clicking things? <laughs> because People can hear you clicking things. Happened. I had to well, do how it. How can pop-ups happen? We're a freaking radio channel station <laughs> podcast. I don't know, but I'm telling you it did. Please uh, hold while we go through our pop-ups. Yes. Remember remember back in the day when you try to do anything on the internet and there would be a thousand pop-ups that you had to like close, 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 close no. before the days of pop-up blockers? No. I was busy in the library reading books. I don't think you, you were. Or I was out riding my bike. Mm, no. Or out in the woods. I wasn't a city kid like you. <laughs> I never had a computer growing up. Oh, well. That I was didn't get thing. one. I Seriously, I think of the first computer in our house. I think I was 16 or 17 before oh. the first computer. Yeah, well, that was a thing. That was definitely a thing in the early internet days. And then when we got a computer, I actually bought it. And it was useless. I just hated it. Okay. I didn't do anything on it. I watched friends flourish on it and do things with it. To this day, I still can't do squat on a computer. I think you're doing pretty good. I've seen you bopping around doing stuff on it. No. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sure you guys don't want to hear how I can't handle a computer. <laughs> how uh, How has your weekend been? I've had a good weekend. That's because I took a vegetarian to a steakhouse for dinner. Again. Again. <laughs> For the second weekend in a row. <laughs> I'm going to reel you back in. <laughs> Come back to the dark side. Never. <laughs> oh, well, I guess we'll have to try again next weekend. No, that's not going to happen. It'll happen if I decide. Listen, every time I listen, drive. Listen, listen, Linda. <laughs> every time I drive past a truck full of pigs, my heart breaks. Seriously. Because they're not on your plate like no. bacon. <laughs> no. Yes. That's Ew. the only reason to be sad. No. Yes, they taste yummy. Let's not get into this. <laughs> nummy, nummy, nummy. <laughs> All right. Sorry. We can't talk about pigs. Let's talk about your wonderful stories and how delightful they are. Okay. That's because animals are so much better than humans. I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that one. However, well, I guess I've never tasted a human, so I don't know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and it's not on my bucket list before you start calling the police. No. I don't want to taste a human. Um, so you got a story? I do. Yep. Rumor has it. It's a nice long story. You told me it is. It just kept going. I had to like start shortening it because I thought you guys don't want to hear me ramble on for this one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I know that the important part of the story comes near the end or the podcast. So while my wife is telling her story, if you'd like to curl up and have a little bit of a nap, because <laughs> it's going to be a long one about probably rape, murder, and disgusting things. Oh, but things. You, you actually told me how somebody told me, told you that I am their favorite. I That was a story that actually happened. Yes. Yes. One lunatic, <laughs> heavily medicated, <laughs> that wanted to piss me off, made that statement. Well, You're right. 
I, I mean, if you want to take that and run with it, then I, you go ahead. I will forever and ever. I will run marathons with that. <laughs> what about the other guy that screamed across the parking lot that I was his favorite? That's never even heard of what a podcast is, that guy? Across, yeah, that's how that's how popular <laughs> yeah. I am. I was his favorite, and he hadn't even heard the podcast. What's a podcast? <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Still said I was his favorite. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right? He did, yes. That's right. Uh-huh. That's how good I am. I'll let you have that one. You don't even have to hear the podcast and know i'm the favorite <laughs> anyways stop it favorites were four podcasts ago and you lost just deal with it no that's not true do you have a story i do do you have a drink i do then let her rip potato chip okay i'm going to tell you about scott johnson and sean farmer <laughs> it's a good story oh sorry it's a good one in may of 2008 two friends the aforementioned Scott Johnson and Sean Farmer decided to go on a camping and fishing trip on the Appalachian Trail. Appalachian? I know. Everybody says Appalachian. It's not the right way. The right way to say it is Appalachia is actually, I'll throw an Appalachia. It's Appalachia. It's the right way. Now you know. Who told you that? My podcast that I listen to. <laughs> You're stealing for other podcasts for this podcast. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is our favorite podcast. We're just going to play it now for yeah. you. Okay. Anyways, this trail is 3,500 kilometers long, and it goes from Georgia all the way to Maine. So you can walk in a day. Yeah, for sure, if you're the Flash. Ooh, DC reference. I like it. <laughs> Two million people hike it every year, and there have actually been a bunch of murders on it. But we're going to focus on a survival at this point. Okay. Okay. So Scott gets to the site before Sean. It's it's not actually like a campsite like we go to. It's just little plots of land that you can pitch a tent in, right? There's no... So it's like a boondoggle. Right. Scott gets to the site before Sean and sets up camp on a section of the trail in Virginia near Dismal Creek. That's <laughs> That's good. a good name for Yeah, a that's creek. foreshadowing. <laughs> You're going to have a dismal time. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's not a good place to name. It's not a good vacation name for sure, but that's where they're going. It's actually, it's very picturesque. If you see pictures of it, it's very beautiful, but it's called Dismal Creek. So on the morning of May 6th, Scott grabs his fishing gear and heads down to the creek to catch some rainbow trout. He ends up catching six big trout, but throughout the day, he has this uneasy feeling like he's being watched. So you might be thinking, well, he's... In the mountains, it could be a bear or a bobcat or some kind of other predator. Nope. <laughs> no, that's not what I was thinking at all. <laughs> what were you thinking? That it'd be a human. It was a human. <laughs> Animals run away. Yes. Other hikers reported seeing symbols and threatening signs painted on nearby rocks and trees. Blair Witch! Yeah. There were skulls and crossbones and enter at your own risk and that kind of thing. Nice. So let's camp there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. With like... Zero interaction with the outside world. But anyways, this is what they're doing. Um, some of the signs were near the Wapiti shelter. So this trail has little shelters set up for for hikers. I couldn't think of the word hikers, but that's what they are <laughs> that they can sleep in, right? And, and this is one of those little shelters. And they're like very close to where Sean and, and Scott have set up camp. Yeah, they're like weather shelters, right? So if you're hiking along the trail, bad weather comes up, you can come up there. Like you can't just rent them and say you're sleeping. No, no, no like it's just like shelter. if you get there and, and it's free, you can use it kind of thing. Yeah. 
It is also the location where two hikers were murdered 27 years earlier. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Right. After Scott had fi fished all morning, he was coming back up the mountain towards his camp when he saw on the road there was a very skinny dog. So he stopped and got out of his truck to check on the dog. And then this like really emaciated, scruffy looking man walks up out of the creek bed. And they chatted for a little while about fishing and hiking and that kind of thing. And this guy had always been in the area, so he knew a lot about it. And this man goes, oh, there's no fish in this creek. And Scott's like, uh, yeah, there is. <laughs> I just caught six of them. And he opens up his cooler and pulled out a big bag of trout and said, here, you can have these. Scott gets back in his truck and he heads back up to the camp. That evening, Sean gets to the campsite and he was setting up his tent and the same man walks up to Sean and he's like, hi, how are you doing? And he told Sean that he'd been talking to Scott earlier. So if he felt more at ease, right, with this guy, I'm sure he wouldn't have felt not at ease anyways, but he'd already had a conversation with his friend. He must be a good guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If anybody has a conversation with my friends, that doesn't put me at ease. Have you met my friends? <laughs> <laughs> that's true why are you talking to my friends what's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> nobody talks to my friends i barely talk to my friends this is weird so there's an unwritten rule on the appalachian appalachian <laughs> it's so hard to say trail that when you see other hikers or campers you offer aid and friendship so they asked this guy if he wanted to join them for dinner the guy agrees and they cook dinner and the guy and his dog sat around the campfire and they're telling stories and they're having a good old campfire time, right? Uh, it's getting pretty late now. It's getting dark and Scott and Sean are like, where does this guy camp? Like he's got to walk back to his campsite still. He's camping and it's right like, where he is. <laughs> like I already figured that out. It's, it's late and he needs to like leave kind of thing. Eventually the guy stands up and he goes over to his dog and says, come on, boy, we need to get back to the camp. And then he turned to Sean, raised his arm, and shot him in the face. <laughs> like That was nice. Right. Here, have some free fish. Here, we're going to feed you dinner. Oh, by the way, I'm going to shoot you in the face later. <laughs> Sean said later. Why are you giggling about this? Because it's just, it's <laughs> offside. Like, it's totally offside. Um, Sean said later, I just had this ringing in my head where he shot me right in the side of the face. You know, I hear that boom. I couldn't hear any other gunshots because in my, inside my head was like, Wah! <laughs> that's what I hear every day with my tinnitus. But anyways, <laughs> just as loud as you can possibly imagine. It rings your head. It rings your head unbelievably. And my mouth was sw swollen immediately. So I couldn't really speak after that. And then my vision was in my right side. In my right side went bad. Sean stood up. Staggered backwards, all the while there's more bullets, like he can't hear them, but he can see the flashes from the muzzle, and he, there's still bullets whizzing past his head. Scott, who just watched his friend get shot in the face, and, there, he's, and sees this guy is still firing, he gets up and he starts running, and he gets shot in the back while he's running. And he finds a small clump of trees and ducks down to hide. Then he realized that he'd also been shot in the neck. He could see his blood squirting like a foot away from him every time his heartbeat. It would just like squirt out of his neck. So it was pulsating with him. Yeah. That's gross. Yeah. So he feels around his neck. He finds the bullet hole and he sticks his finger in it like the boy at the dam. The man then sees that Sean, the first guy, isn't dead and turns back towards him. And Sean's like, 
okay, I got to do something. So fight or flight kicks in and he chooses fight. So he runs right at this guy. While he's running at him, he gets shot in the chest. And at that point, nothing happened because he was still standing. This guy's a big guy. I'll post pictures of him, but he's a he's a big old Southern Georgian man, right? Who? Sean. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's three of them there. Yeah. No, the one that just got shot in the chest that didn't crumple to the ground after he got shot. I think that's what the guy standing there going, holy shit, this guy's still standing, right? So there's this second of like, nobody's doing anything. And then Sean takes advantage of it and he starts running towards his Jeep. But the gunman's running beside him, trying to line him up for a final blow. He gets in his Jeep and then like ducks his head down. So he's starting the the Jeep and he, he um, he's got his head and body down in the passenger side while he's doing it. And he gets into the Jeep and he drives out of the campsite with his head and body down in the passenger side. So he can't see where he's driving, but he's just driving. He's just trying to get out of there. Meanwhile, Scott has started running through the woods. It's pitch black out and he's got his finger in his neck the whole time he's just running. Sean realized that he had left his wounded friend at the campsite, but he saw that he had made a break through it through the woods. So he was like, what can I do? Right? Like, I'm wounded too. He's running through the woods. There's a gunman in between us. So he just kept driving out of there. So Sean drives like that for a little bit with his head ducked down. And then when he does lift his head up, he sees Scott running out of the woods in front of him. So he stops the truck. Scott jumps in and starts yelling, go, go, go. And they knew that they were both shot and they had to get the hell out of there. And he just punched it. But remember, they're not on a highway. They're on a mountain in Virginia with lots of twists and turns and no lighting. And they're at least 40 miles from the nearest hospital, not to mention that the driver had been shot in the head. They were worried that the shooter grabbed the other vehicle and would be behind them any second. They went down that dirt road at about 70 kilometers an hour on a road that you would normally do 30 on. So they're making good time. <laughs> yeah. Scott says, I can see because Sean is the driver. So Scott says about Sean, I can see he's shot in the face and I'm worried. Like, you know, he's shot in the brain or something like that. It's dark. I mean, we're both shot. We're both bleeding. We're both in a panic. There's a small bridge that you have to cross that you have to cross to get across the creek. We cross that, and when the road veers left, well, then we veer, veer left. The next thing I know, the jeep just runs up on the side of the embankment, and there's rocks flying, and there's trees, and I'm screaming, "Sean, Sean!" And then we come down off the embankment and we stop. He's shot in the face, and I was just sitting there thinking, "Well, you know, he can't see. He's blacking out." I said, "Let me steer." <laughs> So he's too afraid to like change positions in the truck, even though he would have been the better driver. They're so afraid that this guy is going to come back, come up behind them in the other car that uh, Sean is working the pedals of the Jeep while Scott is steering it from the other side. Um, they drove like that for about three miles and then they came up to a really sharp curve and Scott's yelling, slow down, slow down. But they hit the curve too fast and they skid sideways and stopped within a foot of a 30 foot embankment. So they're side. So this is more about surviving the drive. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like it's both. Like Oh my God. This is like riding in a car with you driving. Oh, whatever. That's all I'm picturing whatever. right now. <laughs> um, so the, they get to the bottom of the mountain and then there's a few houses there. For some reason, they pass the first couple of houses and then Scott says, 
stop here. These people are going to help us. Like he just had this feeling that this was the house that he needed to go to. And it wasn't. It was the skinny man's house. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it was the skinny dog's house. <laughs> skinny dog's house. Um, Scott runs up to the door and he's covered from head to toe in blood and he starts knocking on the door screaming call 911. The woman that lived there, her name was Melissa and for a moment she was too scared to answer the door. I mean she lives in the middle of nowhere. It's dark out. She's in the house. With the guy's <laughs> screaming dial 911. I know. You don't for, even have to open the door. Just dial 911. Just for a split second. She's nope. like, dial she's scared. Right? Why? And then she realizes that the guy at the door was an ex-boyfriend of one of her friends. And she's like, holy shit. So she opens the door and she runs to dial 911. So she still hadn't dialed 911 yet? It was seconds. I'm talking <sighs> seconds. <laughs> seconds can save lives. Not when it took 45 minutes for the ambulance to get there. What? <laughs> yes. 45 minutes. So the two men sat. Go through Delhi's Tim Hortons first. <laughs> I think maybe that's probably what. Jesus. Happened. Yeah. So the men sat on the front porch, wrapped in blankets, bleeding everywhere, waiting. The whole time, the men were worried about not themselves, more about their friend. Like, oh my god, my friend's gonna die, kind of thing. But they were also like, why the hell did that guy shoot us? Like, what just happened? Yeah. And what if he followed you to this girl's house? Yeah. By the time that Scott was loaded into a helicopter, he started to spit up, spit up blood. They sedated him, and at one point, Scott could hear a woman saying, I can't find a pulse. Hello, I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be one. <laughs> they were airlifted to a hospital in Roanoke, and um, Scott had blacked out at that point, but when, he, when the doors opened, he felt a whoosh of air, and then he kind of came back into his body or whatever. So... Amazingly, they both survived. But back in the attack area, a retired sheriff's deputy hears the story, and he's like, this sounds an awful lot like an investigation I did in 1981. 27 years ago? 27 years ago. <laughs> um, in both shootings, the victims were attacked without warning and for no apparent reason, and both attacks took place on the virtually the same location on the Appalachian Trail. In May of 1981, social workers Susan Ramsey and Robert Mountford had been hiking the Appalachian Trail, and they were reported missing after they didn't show up as scheduled in the nearby town of Parisburg, Virginia. Lawson and his team went to check the Wapiti shelter where Scott and Sean would camp years later because it was the closest campsite to Parisburg. Almost immediately, he saw something suspicious. The flooring, which was brand new at the time, was very black, like someone had rubbed a substance all over the floor. He bent over to look down between the boards and could see a red substance through the cracks. And once the boards came up, they saw that it was a large puddle of blood. Police became began combing the woods surrounding the shelter, and one searcher noticed something peeking through the leaves, a sleeping bag. The cloth sleeping bag was lying there covered in leaves, and when they uncovered it, they found the torso of Susan Ramsey. Susan Ramsey was dead, but the police still didn't know what happened to her hiking partner, Robert Mountford, who I'm sure at this point is probably the suspect, right? The next day, they brought in search dogs to comb the woods. The dog comes over to the big stump, and he just sat. And all of a sudden, they came upon a Kevlar bag. Robert Mountford had been shot in the head, but police couldn't find the gun. 
Susan Ramsey had been stabbed repeatedly in the chest and hit in the back of the head with a blunt instrument. Lawson found those murder weapons. I think that's what the dog found. I didn't see where they found Robert's body. I think the dog found the weapons, but somewhere along the line, they found Robert's body. How could the sheriff think that it was the same though? When one got stabbed and one got hit in the head and then one got shot. I think just they because they both got shot. I think just because it was like an unexpected attack, they could tell at the scene that they weren't like ready and for a fight or, you know what I mean? They were, they were just all of a sudden attacked. It's not like they were running away from this guy or whatever, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a cop. I know, but normally there's an MO, right? The, the killer sticks with a yeah, certain thing. Like he true. sticks with guns or he sticks with knives or he sticks with. Yeah, that's true. I don't know, but he put it together right away. Maybe it was just the locations. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe it was him. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> a large section of the Appalachian Trail was shut down for weeks. But there were no arrests. The only leads were items the police found near the murder scene. Is this in 81 now? Or this is 81, yeah. Okay. Including items belonging to victim Susan Ramsey. They found evidence in tree stumps, in the knot holes of trees, under rocks. The, the murderer was like, I don't know. I don't know if he was very clever or very crazy. Because he was just hiding shit everywhere, right? They found two paperback books that belonged to her. One of the paperback books, when they were thumbing through the pages, had a bloody fingerprint in the book, but they couldn't match the fingerprint to any suspects that they currently had. This went on for several weeks, and they got to the point where they were basically at a stalemate. Then a bizarre incident drew Tom Lawson's attention to a local man. The man was reported missing, and police discovered a note in his truck saying that he had been kidnapped. This guy's name was Randall Lee Smith. Oh, oh, three names. You know what that means. He did it. He's a serial killer. <laughs> um, immediately, police were suspicious. So they compared the fingerprint in the book to a print they had on file for Randall, and it was a match. Lawson figured that he had this guy for a life sentence or possibly even the death penalty. But the morning of his trial, he got bad news. The prosecution attorney comes in and says, I feel like that we have some holes in this case. And I struck a plea deal. And so Randall was only going to serve 15 years for murdering two people. So in 1996, he walks out of prison. And he goes right back to prowling the Appalachian Trail. In fact, Randall Lee Smith apparently became so obsessed with the trail that in sometime in March of 2008, he walked up into the wild and never came back. The police became concerned and missing persons flyers were posted around the area. Scott Johnson, critically wounded by a gunman on the Appalachian Trail, would see that poster as he was being rolled into surgery. And a state trooper brought the picture up of Randall Smith and he says, is this the guy that shot you? And Scott goes, yeah. And he's like, are you sure? And he's like, I am sure. So after Scott made the ID, police launched a manhunt for Randall Lee Smith. A state trooper spotted him just hours after the shooting. Smith was driving Scott Johnson's pickup truck. So he did actually get into that truck. And if they had to stop, like what they were fearing most might have actually happened. They pulled out behind him and Randall saw that the cops were behind him and he sped up. And when he, he went about a mile and then he just wrecked the truck like he rolled the truck. So Scott got shot and his truck got wrecked? Yes. <laughs> Well, that's just not right at all. Maybe he got a bigger, better truck. I'm sure he did. <laughs> His wife probably told me he wasn't allowed. 
Uh, they pulled him out from under the truck, and there was a handgun lying within reaching distance of where he was. In addition to the gun, police found a treasure trove of evidence Randall Lee Smith had hidden deep in the woods. Scott Johnson's sunglasses, more than 20 knives, meat cleavers, and other items. And they found some bizarre drawings and notes, including this prayer. Hail to the guardians of the watchtower of the north by the powers of mother and earth. Hear me. Show me thy glory. I invoke thee, O ancient one. Okay, this is Wiccan. This is, Wiccan is not about this. So this guy is just like messed up on a whole other level where he's trying to turn Wiccan stuff into murder, whatever. Anyways, I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> Wiccan is very peaceful, right? And this guy's just trying to make it, twist it and turn it into what he wants it to be. Okay, relax. <laughs> okay. Randall was taken to the hospital for his injuries in the crash. And he died four days later from the injuries that he sustained in the wreck. So he didn't even have to go to jail and serve his time or do any of that other stuff. But yeah. So that is the story of Scott Johnson and Sean Farmer. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty good one. Yeah. It's not as brutal as normal. It's pretty good. <laughs> Guy lost his truck and stuff. But I mean, a little shooting in the face. Shot in the face, shot in the chest, shot in the neck. So let's see. They went out there. Got shot in the face, shot in the chest, shot in the neck, shot in the back. Uh-huh. Gave away their fish. Yep. Rolled their truck. Yep. Hmm. I think they still go there, though, and they still hunt and camp and fish and stuff there. No, still. you can't stop living, right? right? You gotta. You can't let somebody. I mean, I know it's scary and stuff like that, but you can't let fear control your yeah. life, right? Well, obviously that guy's not coming back. No, he's out. He's out of the picture. <laughs> yeah. Unless he haunts it. Ooh. So. I guess that means I'm up, eh? That does. Well, well, well. I wrote this down specifically so I wouldn't forget. Okay. Wednesday, my wife went for a hearing test. Oh, God. Here we go. What? <laughs> what? Are you going to tell the story about how you told people that so I started. <laughs> I started texting her in all capitals. Right. And why did I do that? Because you're a jerk. Because I thought you wouldn't be able to hear. You're going for a hearing test. What is that hearing thing that you have? Tinnitus. You have tinnitus. Yes. Which means a ringing in your ears all the time. Right. And but I can hear perfectly. Not if there's a ringing in there. Like you, obviously, there's got to be some kind of. The, spot. the hearing test person said that I can hear perfectly. Anyways. I, ca- I text you in capital letters to help you out. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. And then I went and put a post on Facebook you so did- friends and family would yep, do the same. You did that too. <laughs> and I I thought I was helping out. Apparently, I wasn't. Some of our That's friends. That's what you thought. That's what you thought you were doing this to help out. Right. So, not, so you, you weren't doing this to be a smart ass. No. No, not at all. But now, but and then you got mad, right? And I understand now why you got mad. I figured it out. Oh, Okay. Fill me in. And I am really, truly, and I'm saying this so everybody can hear, I am really, really, truly sorry. As your partner and and you are my best friend, I should have noticed and seen the signs that you are having problems with your hearing. <laughs> and it should have, you know, and I and I realized that it must have been frustrating for you, you know, and, and, and I where should are have, we going with this? And I should have paid better attention. I'm just saying that okay. I'm just apologizing that I should have, you know, I, like when, when I asked you for a new sports car and you said no, <laughs> you probably didn't hear me. 
So that's why, you know, some of the communication is pretty different in our lives right lately, right? So now that I know, I just, I'll make sure that I text you in capitals oh, when, I ask, when I ask you for stuff. So, you know, there's no lost communication. So I'm sorry for that. Okay. I yep. should have noticed your disability and I should have done that. What is wrong with you? Now, I am really glad that you didn't get as mad as Johnny. Okay. Because Johnny, uh, he did some mean stuff to his wife. Oh, boy. What did he do? Well, Johnny uh, from Argentina, they live in a, an apartment building, and they live on the eighth floor. Okay. And Johnny and his wife got arguing again, and I guess there's been some domestic dispute and stuff on there. Well, Johnny got so mad that he threw his wife off the balcony. What is wrong with him? He got so mad that he threw her off the balcony. He was mad. <laughs> well, he sounds like a big old jerk. Right. So anyways, when he looked out the balcony, he saw that his wife had landed in a bunch of power lines and stuff and was actually still alive. Oh, so did John that make Johnny even more mad? So, well, we're not sure what happened because <laughs> Johnny decided to crawl out in the ba balcony and jump towards her and missed and fell to his death. Well, good. His so, wife was like, ha! <laughs> That's so, how that feels. I don't know if he was trying to save her. <laughs> no. I don't know if he was mad and trying to go after her to throw her because he didn't finish the job. All I know is that he was very much a loser in life for beating his wife, yes. but he's a winner in death because he got his Darwin. Yeah, and I bet yeah, that was like the most satisfying moment for his wife. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and his wife you just threw me off a fucking balcony. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife, his wife actually survived. She was able to somehow swing the power cables over to a balcony and a neighbor that saw everything grabbed her and pulled her inside and stuff. So wow. she lived. Everything was good. But uh, I really like that story. <laughs> <laughs> but Mr. Johnny nosedived eight stories. Like, what the hell? What? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that somebody was watching over her that day for no sure. Doubt, right? Yeah, that's great. That's like karma at its finest right there. <laughs> a lot of your stories involve karma, I feel like. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, I guess. Well, here, let's find out. Here's All another right. one that might have okay. a little bit of karma in All it. All right. Now, about that sports car I talked about earlier. <laughs> okay. This is why you don't need a sports car. Is this it? is why. No, I, I need a sports car. <laughs> I don't know why you don't think we need a sports car. <laughs> oh, let's hear what Johnny did with his sports car. Well, after reading this, I'm definitely not getting a convertible. Oh. So in 1927, our hero was leaving a party. She was walking out to her convertible when someone offered her a sweater to keep warm. She didn't like the way the sweater looked. She's like, I'm not wearing that. I'm not wearing right. that. I am wearing this. So she pulled out her fashion scarf and wrapped it around her neck, but it was a nice big long flowing oh, one. Oh, yeah, right? just like in the movies, right? Right, it's where they flow like behind that. the car and stuff <laughs> like that. So she gets in. And she fires up her convertible and she lays ta-ta to people <laughs> and takes off driving. But I bet she looked really cool while she, she did it. She looked fantastic <laughs> until the scarf wrapped around the tire. No. Because the spoke tires in 1927 on the car, the tire got caught in there. The scarf got caught in the tire and started pulling her. She couldn't get it loose because of the way she had tied right. it around her neck. And it actually started suffocating her. And then it pulled her out of the car, broke her neck, and wedged her head up underneath <gasps> the wheel well. Oh, my God. All because she wouldn't wear proper attire when in her car. Wow. Right? That that needs to be uh, – I know we get to final destination a lot on here, but that just sounds like 
a scene right out of that movie like that could be in that movie isn't it scary though when you start reading some of these these things you go wow like that could like i thought about like you know there's times on the motorcycle where i've had you know things dangling things dangling off the side and it may, could it catch in the spoke now like you know what i mean yeah. like where i've just had shirts and stuff like not even that i would get tangled in it but when we have a backpack and we have the extra stuff yeah. on there like if we could get caught and throw the front wheel forward and yeah stuff. makes you think yeah, like, you now start... like, we're gonna inspect the motorcycle a little bit better before we get on it <laughs> well especially your stuff <laughs> you're the one that's usually got five bags yeah. hanging off everywhere <laughs> i got a pair of jeans but uh yeah now since i didn't do any facts checking i thought i would give a third story oh okay we're i can actually give you four i can give you four if you want four you let me know if you want four or not. let's see how we're doing for time all right because we got to make sure we time these to perfection perfection because if i'm too short on a story i feel bad if i'm too long i feel bad because these people are driving to work and trying to listen <laughs> yes, to us yes. and if they time it off our our podcast they might be either late for work because we went too long <laughs> or they could be really early and nobody wants to be really early <laughs> for work, right early, so we got to no. keep that keep that in mind when we're going through this <laughs> so my third story is nothing to do with you being mad at me for a change well, I know because I'm always I'm a very angry person. I know. Why are you? Why are you like that? Maybe you should go see a doctor about that. I am not an angry person. You just said you were. I was not... being sarcastic. Mm, didn't sound sarcastic. It sounded definitive. So, anyways, we are going to talk about bees. Okay, I like bees. You do. Around here, we have bees, but they do bug us, especially in the fall. When the yeah, rotten but, fruit and yeah, stuff like that, and yeah. everything that comes around, right? But did you know that over in Japan they have Asian hornets? Are those the ones that invaded here like a couple of years? I'm not ago? sure. I was gonna look that up and I didn't get around to it. But yeah, we had murder hornets and yeah. stuff over here, and I think they are because these Asian hornets are supposed to be the largest out there. Yeah, I think that's and like, they're poisonous. Oh yeah, I think it's the same ones. So it could be, but anyways, these are Asian hornets. Yeah. Uh they are the largest species and they are poisonous, which I already stated. So one way, one day, our Johnny decides that he was going to go out and get rid of a nest that he found, which okay. is, yeah, you know, yeah, you find a nest, you get rid of it. With, like, long-distance wasp, right? No, no, okay. no. So now he did put on proper suiting, proper attire. Which is what? Uh, like a suit and then the, the head stuff and oh, all like that okay. on. Like he actually had legit, like, Yeah, he had beekeepers. legit beekeepers stuff on there. But I think it, the, 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 key phrase there was beekeeper not asian <laughs> right. hornets oh and then i think the next thing that you aren't supposed to do is when you pull down a nest yeah of asian hornets that i told you are large and right. poisonous yes you don't juggle the damn thing why though because he was filming himself you can go look up the film if you want asian oh, hornet no. and the guy is out there juggling the nest and he's getting stung and stung and stung while he's doing it and then he passes out and falls to the you ground. Know, it's absolutely amazing to me how many of your stories are about people that are trying to get internet famous. Do you think that's what it is? I, but why else would he be doing it? I don't know. How to? <laughs> <laughs> Do it yourself? Get rid of hornet's nest? I don't know. I wasn't there. But yeah, maybe internet famous while he was juggling it and dancing around and doing all this wonderful stuff. Yeah. That's well, just... he got famous, he won an award. He sure did. And his family are also happy about it, I'm oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, since my wife says that we need uh, more time and I haven't yeah, talked enough. We have enough time for another, okay. another one. Okay, well, this one is about terrorists. Okay. 
Now, terrorists made this bomb in Israel. But on this day in Israel, the de Israel decided that they were going to put their clocks back an hour. Okay. Like for daylight savings time? Yeah, okay. daylight okay. saving times, turn the clocks back an hour. But right. I guess the Israel people um, were upset about this. They're like, no, we're not doing that. So there's a big argument going on this day right. about what time is. Well, when the four terrorists got together with their bombs right. and had them in their car on their way so to with their bombs. So they all had a separate bomb in four different... Yeah, they, had okay. four, they, they okay. all made bombs. They all got into the car together when they're going. Well, there was a miscommunication on which time they were using. So oh. two of the bombs went off an hour early. It really feels like it was a really bad day. <laughs> <laughs> right? Let's make a bomb on time when nobody knows what time it is. So this happened, I think it was 1998 or something like that. So yeah, they had they had set their bombs to go off at 6.30, but two of them went off at 5.30 because oh, no. they went off at the new time and the other people went oh, off at no. the old time. See, again, karma, you were about to blow up a bunch of people and you blew yourselves up. <laughs> the <laughs> only people that got but hurt. What about the people that set their own bombs and went, uh, guys, we've got about five minutes before this thing goes off. Uh, they probably <laughs> just buried it in the back seat and put a blanket over them. They probably weren't even thinking about it. Like the time right? and they're driving, right? Oh like, they my don't God. Know. I guess they didn't quite, you know, I, most movies, you know, when it's army and stuff, you're like, set your clocks, ready? Click, click, click. Everybody's yeah. synchronized. Go. Yeah. They forgot that part. This is why, this they, is do why that. they do that. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Anyways, those are my four stories. Um, okay. Again, if, you're, job, if you own a convertible, job. keep your scarf in. Yeah, put a jacket on. Yeah, like an old school convertible, I guess. Could, yeah. do, you, do you think that could happen now with the rims that they aren't? Oh, yeah, a lot of them now got the big mags in them and I stuff, guess, right? Yeah. So we could, I guess, depending on the scarf and how it actually yeah. flew out it's and stuff. I wonder if she it. didn't rip her head off. Yeah. Uh, make sure if you're riding a motorcycle, everything's secure. Yeah. If you get angry at your wife, don't throw it out of a window. <laughs> or check for wires first, I guess. I don't know. If you want to throw her out, there's days I want to throw somebody like, out of a window. Yeah, don't throw people generally out of windows. <laughs> <laughs> or off of eight-story buildings. Yeah. Um, if you're going to build a bomb, talk to each other, communicate. Yeah, yeah. Communication or, is very important. Or don't build bombs. Or don't build bombs. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. yeah, we can go that way too, I guess. Yeah. I guess that could be more of a safety. Yeah. yeah just check, check with people. <laughs> talk to them. Anyway, so I guess this is now our... Call to action. Call to action segment. Yes. So if people want to call in, tell us about our stories or call how in. we got something wrong... You can't. No. What you have yeah. to do is email us. Yes, email us at debtorsurvivepodcast at gmail.com. I was just seeing if you're paying attention to me or not. <laughs> Don't call us. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, we've had some new listeners. We're still trying to climb, so we're doing a good, though, guys. We're up to yeah. almost oh, 40 in a week. Say. We didn't say our big landmark. Oh, our big landmark. How come we didn't say that? I don't know. Now we're still not saying it. We're saying it. We got to a thousand listens. That was the, our number that we were trying to get to. We got to it a little early and we took a couple weeks off. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you very much yes, for all of that. That's amazing. Um, I was going to leave it till next week and do a big party on it, but I guess the wife just, again, ruined it. <laughs> I'll, go throw it out, I'll go throw it out of a window, guys. And uh, right after I'm done the dad joke. Okay, but listen, I want to tell a joke to you first. What? <laughs> I do. I Why? <laughs> now you're taking over my dad joke. Only because I heard this joke and I laughed unreasonably hard at it. <laughs> like, okay, well, can okay. I tell mine first then? Okay. Are you going to remember yours that long? I will. All right. All right. Why don't dinosaurs make good pets? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
Because they're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You want to hear mine? Okay. (laughs) Two whales walk into a bar. The first whale says to the second, the second whale looks at the first and says, shut up, Larry, you're drunk. (laughs) This is why I do the jokes. (laughs) That's a fabulous joke. This is why I do the jokes. Okay, guys, I am so sorry. Please don't hold that one against us and come back next week and listen. All right. This is Rob signing off. Bye.